The views, ideas, and content of well seekers and their guests are their own opinions, and you should always seek additional professional help around any of the issues discussed here on Well Seekers. Hello, and welcome to Well Seekers, where we are finding our story of well, rising and coming back from whatever life throws our way. I'm Lucia, and I am so honored and excited to be here with you today. On today's show, we are continuing our series on rising and coming back from eating related issues with a very special episode. My good friend, Campbell Ritchie, who is a former professional dancer, ballerina, turned professional makeup artist and an incredible one at that, has done so many different campaigns, runways, models, all of who you've probably heard of. Campbell's going to be joining us to share her personal story and struggles with eating related issues and how she has risen and come back from those issues to to lead the life that she has today. Before we dive in though to Campbell, if you've listened to the show, you all know that I have struggled with food related issues as well. And not just in the sense of clinically, right? So there's lots of different ways we can struggle with food. And I wanted to take some time to just talk about that. Some of those ways can be clinically, like anorexia, bulimia, binge eating disorder, which is now on the rise, um, especially in the United States, if you're listening in the U.S. right now. But there's also just struggles that maybe aren't a clinical diagnosis, but maybe you're just preoccupied with food a lot or preoccupied with your body and the way it looks. Or you think a little bit too much about how many calories you're consuming or if you missed a workout and it makes you feel bad about yourself, lowers your self-esteem. So even though it may not be something that is clinically affecting your life, it still could be something that's creeping its way into your life and affecting your day to day. So if you're on the verge of obsessing about food, or maybe you're a little obsessive about food or your body, or maybe you full-blown have one of the three things that I've mentioned, binge eating disorder, bulimia, or anorexia, this show is for you. Because what Campbell's going to do is share her story about how she got to where she was with her eating-related issues, and also how she recovered from them. And that point in her life where she realized, you know what, I need to do something about this, or I'm not going to make it. And I think just for myself, as someone who has struggled with food in the past, there was definitely a point in my life where that happened as well, where I walked into a doctor's office in Beverly Hills and she had done some numbers and she said to me, if you don't get help for this, you're going to die. And that was a turning point in my own life and my relationship with food. But it wasn't always like that. It started as just a small preoccupation with how much food I was eating. And then at different points in my story, I was eating too much food. Um, So eating disorders take all different shapes and sizes, no pun intended. They affect all different types of people. We'll go over this in more detail down the line, but there's an estimated around 10 million people, probably more because this is all self-report and many people don't want to report they have an eating disorder that suffer from anorexia or bulimia. And then binge eating, binge eating is even more. Like I said, as we go on through our series, I'll explain what these specific disorders are. Some people say 8% of American adults have a binge eating disorder. And then you add in anorexia and bulimia, and those numbers are just staggering. Last week, we talked about one of the factors that contributes to eating-related issues, which is, of course, diet culture. And Campbell is someone who, like myself, I started out in music and then went into broadcast, but Campbell started out as a professional dancer and now works in the fashion industry. So she has a lot of behind the scenes stuff to talk about in that area as well. 
As we work our way through this series, we would love, love, love to hear from you. So make sure to DM us. We're on all socials at WellSeeker on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So I hope you will follow us there and definitely subscribe to the show as well if you're not a subscriber yet. I know you guys have heard my story, so I don't want to dive too much into it. And Campbell's going to call us here in a second. But if you guys have any questions for me or for Campbell as we're moving through the show, just tweet us, send us a Facebook message, or if you're on Facebook watching, you can shoot us a comment. We pretty much monitor it 24-7 and we'll get right back to you. So let us know. And as we work our way through the series, definitely let us know if you have questions as well. So if you're looking for some hope, if you're looking for some inspiration, or maybe you're just curious if you have an issue with food and you want to hear someone else's story, you do not want to miss our guest, Campbell Ritchie, who is going to join us right after this quick break. We'll be right back on Well Seekers. Hey, it's Lucia, and I am beyond thrilled to tell you about our brand new segment, Ask Lucia. Some of you know me as a storyteller and journalist, but I'm also a licensed clinical therapist, which means that people ask me a lot of questions like, why do I do this? Or why does my mom do that? Or how do I make my boyfriend or husband or significant other stop doing this? You've got a lot of questions. I've got your answers. So email us at hello at wellseekers.com or find us online, all our socials at Wellseekers, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, No question is off limits. We will answer them all. So connect with us right now here at Wellseekers. You're listening to Wellseekers, a show where the journey is just as important as the destination. And we're back on Wellseekers with our guest this week, Campbell Ritchie. Campbell, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Before I introduce you, I just want to say Campbell's amazing. And she's not just an amazing makeup artist. She is an amazing person, and I got to know her personally about, I think, a year and a half ago at a party. Campbell, thanks for being on Wellseekers. It's my absolute pleasure. Whatever I can do to be of service is is how I roll these days, you know? I do know. That's my motto, too. (laughs) It is. It truly is. And I think that's why we connected. We connected at a friend's birthday party. I was actually there covering it for a media outlet, and Campbell, you were Francesco's makeup artist that night, weren't you? That's right. Uh, Francesco's uh, groomer or makeup artist, whatever you want to call him, but he's also a very dear friend of mine. And actually, Francesco has been able to connect me with some really beautiful individuals, um, you being one of them. And Mm. it was just an instant attraction, an instant connection. And I've been trying to hang out and get connected with you since. And um, you know, we both have very busy lives, but I'm absolutely honored and thrilled to, you know, be of service to you today. So thanks for asking me to do this. Yeah. Thanks, Campbell. Thanks for being willing to do it. And shout out to Francesco Clark, who's owner of Clark Botanicals, who I need to have on the show too. Him. Well, I love yes, him. Yes, we love him. Love we him. We love him. Same thing. I think you had this with him too, but I had an immediate connection with him when I met him. Yeah. And we've just yeah. stayed in touch. He's since. my spirit animal. Oh, (laughs) he should be everyone's spirit animal, actually. (laughs) He's divine. Uh, He is. That's such a good word, divine. Tell us, so your backstory is unbelievable. So I'm going to ask you questions and I want you to do the majority of the talking because your story truly, truly was so inspirational when you were telling it to me. But before we get into your backstory, can you just talk a little bit about what you do now? Okay, well, I'm still a makeup artist. Uh, (laughs) I've been doing makeup now for 28 years, nearly 29 years, which 
just blows my mind because I don't even feel old enough to have been doing it for that length of time. Because you're 32, so that's like really weird. (laughs) Well, let's add on another 12 years and you're almost close to how old I am. But um, I I believe that um, I still do this job because I love it. I care for the people that I work with. I feel that now I want to be a role model and uh, a mentor to many of the girls that are joining the industry or the girls that have been in the industry for a long time. I'm able to be on the other end of a phone call to them if they need me. And um, I don't push that, but girls definitely know that I'm available. And also, actually, equally, I have quite a few boys that reach out to me too for advice or, you know, whether it's to do with the fashion industry or whether it's to do with their skin or their diet or whatever it might be. And I think it's happened very organically because of the, you know, the illnesses that I had, which I, which we'll go into further. But I think being... Um, Living proof that change can keep you alive has definitely helped people and um, they've come to me as their source or their resource or, or their experience or their knowledge um, and and trying to learn from me. I'm not saying I know that everything's the best or I'm the best at doing whatever, but I had, you know, very traumatic experience in my life, many traumatic experiences. And I, but I want them to be a, a positive impact on people's lives versus them being so negative, which is where the majority of the world takes these, um, what I like to call experiences or lessons in life. People put them in a very sort of dark, negative category when actually we can use them as, as very um, graceful learning curves. And, and that's what I want to do, you know, moving forward in my life. Absolutely. And so well said. I mean, you can be a lifeline for people. And having been in the industry first as a musician and working with management and going to major labels and getting feedback from labels about my body and my size and then working in broadcast where you're just constantly under scrutiny and you're in the epicenter of the industry where that occurs. Mm. Absolutely. Do you see that daily in what you do? You must. You know what? Um, I I would love to say that it still doesn't happen and that diversity is like ruling the school right now. Yeah. But it still does happen. Girls are still put under a lot of pressure. Agents are still responsible for these things. Designers and brands are still responsible for, you know, these issues. And um, I will never have anybody on my set feel insecure not worthy, have low self-esteem. It's my job to lift people, to encourage and to tell them, you know what, this isn't the be-all and end-all of life and get in, make as much money as you can while you're cute and pretty and whatever mm-hmm. and then and then go on and, and be something else or do something else or be, become a really real boss businesswoman or businessman, you know, and they use do. this opportunity to to build revenue so that you can move on in your life further down the track and maybe travel and go and see the world or start a business or whatever and you've got that revenue from when you be modeling as your sort of backbone to, to really sort of propel you into your next life you know it's such great advice I wish you were around when I was <laughs> actively. I wish um, someone was around (laughs) saying this to me as well, actually. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I know you have limited time because Campbell's actually on set right now and taking a break. I'm on a shoot. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But uh, what's the, well, you may not be able to tell us what the shoot's for, but um, 
tell us three a, people. Oh, really? Oh my gosh! One of my yeah. I love it's a great love for three people. people's great. Oh, and they're very diverse and they're very inclusive, and that's one of the reasons I love working with them. They also have this incredible new range called um, Newly, which is all about a sustainable, recycled fashion. No, um, so that's one of the reasons I work with them. Yeah. I'm very picky and choosy with the brands that I work with now. I will not work with any company that's, you know, using furs or leathers or anything like that. I really did practice what I preach. So important and so rare. I have to say that I try and buy sustainable. There's a company I really love called Reformation, which you probably know. Mm, love Reformation. Yeah, all sustainable as well. But I can't wait to check that out, that that line from mm. Free People. Yeah. So Campbell, before she was a makeup artist, she was a really successful dancer. So tell us a little bit about how you entered the world of dancing. We related as well on the basis that we both did struggle with food and I had an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. I know that you had mm -hmm. eating struggles as well. I still do to this day, to be quite honest with you. Do with you? you? It's not. Yes, I do. And, you know, I don't look at it as a problem anymore. I look at it as finding solutions mm -hmm. to um, what often is fear-based eating habits not worthy eating habits, um, not feeling good enough. These things still creep into your psyche, into your life, no matter what age you are. And actually, I, I wanted to say it's not because I work with these beautiful models every single day. It's really not. It's, it's something very deep ingrained into my, into my being, um, which probably still needs to sort of be addressed. I feel like actually one of the reasons this all came up again quite recently was because of my father's death. Oh, I'm so sorry. So, you know, my way of comforting myself, you know, I mean, it's, don't apologize. It's, it's, you know, death is part of life. And, and actually, totally. more so now than ever have I understood that. And, and it's a fact. It's, it's the only fact that we know about our lives is that we're going to die. And um, now I choose to look at um, life as a celebration versus being so morbid in our um, happy about it but it's taken me nine almost nine years to get to this point with my father because me and dad were so so close and actually one of the reasons I continued my ballet career was because my dad was always there for me he was there tying up my hair you know stitching my my point shoes together and um, really the core strength to my my ballet career he he really he was not a pushy dad or a pushy mum situation he just was very supportive of anything and everything that I ever wanted to do. Even if I turned around him and said, I want to be a baker in a baking shop. He would have said, okay, well, let's do that 100%. You know, yeah. he was very supportive. So I feel like sometimes if I do have a down day or, um, you know, a day of low self-esteem, which does creep in, I'm only human. The first thing that I always go to to comfort myself now is food. But now being vegan, which I've been vegan for 14 years, my food choices are, are, are healthier ones. So I don't feel the guilt, shame and remorse attached to, um, you know, binge eating. I just let myself do it. And actually, usually it's around the period time. You know, when, we, when women totally. have periods, that's when I start to sort of search for food like it's the last thing on, on, on earth. You know what I mean? I do, which <laughs> is like, absolutely, I, do. I need to find food. Yeah, absolutely normal. And I think you said something really important to distinguish between from a clinical perspective, just 
you know, from my clinical training is that it's mm-hmm. really not what you're eating as much as the psychological side effects afterwards. You could be Absolutely someone, right. yeah, you could eat 3000 calories and still feel good about yourself afterwards, but it's the yeah. mindset around food and using it as a tool for comfort or to, if you're not feeling good about yourself and then you use it almost as a, not you, but just in general, I always say that food is yeah. the most used anxiety medication in our country. Absolutely, absolutely. And the thing is, this year I was put on a diet when I was eight years old um, at my boarding school mm-hmm. um, because, you know, if you want to be a ballet dancer, you want to be a serious ballet dancer, we had to weigh in at a certain weight every morning. And if you didn't weigh in at a certain weight every morning, you would then be not allowed to eat food for the rest of the day. And then you would go hungry for the rest of the day and then till the next day when you'd weigh in again. That was the first introduction for me, as a little girl, that food was bad. Because for me, all I wanted to do was be a ballerina. There was no, there was no ifs, no buts. There was no, I'll be a ballet teacher. I'll be a corps de ballet. I was going for a prima ballerina. There was nothing stopping me. It was non-negotiable. And if that meant food was going to be a problem, then I didn't eat. And that was how we were trained. We were trained to believe that if we were a certain weight, then we were not going to perform well and we wouldn't get food. So, you know, we did all the crazy things that you've probably heard the stories about, which I'm not proud of at all. And I know that sometimes it still happens to this day. It's causing um, anxiety and misinformation about food from a very, very young age. I didn't have my mother or my father around because I was in a boarding school and I was believing and listening to what my teachers and my educators and my, my peers were telling me, you know? So that's where that bad relationship started, and it started at eight, and I still wasn't fully developed. So I think it actually definitely sort of stumped my, my growth, for sure. I didn't develop properly, I don't think. Where were you training, Campbell? I was overseas in England, actually. Okay. And so was it pretty much a technique, I'm assuming, that was used by most, the majority of the girls in the community? So it was, yeah, yeah, peer enhanced, probably. We used to soak cotton wool, you know, cotton wool balls that you would use to remove your makeup. Yep. In orange juice and then swallow them. In orange juice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Which is something that I've heard before, for sure. And again, not something to be proud of or something to be tried, but this is just the fact of you know, things that people do. And was it at that age, was it purely body image or could you feel other things sneaking in like self-esteem, self-confidence, normal things, honestly, for human development at that age? Or was there diet, was it diet culture from media or was it just a combination of all these things? I think it was a combination of everything actually, because I mean, I was still a child, but I was so determined and I was so hungry to be a ballerina but as I said, I would have done anything and everything to, to get to this point. So if you're told, oh, you know, Campbell, you're an incredible dancer, but if you just lost a couple more, you know, kilos, you would be even better than I was determined. You know, actually, Lucia, the thing that struck me, the, the most truest account of my life as a young girl and a ballerina was when I watched uh, The Black Swan. I really believe that the director of that movie had gotten into my head somehow, extracted all my memories and my fears and my, my woes about 
talking about this and then put it on the big screen. When I was sitting in that movie theater, I was absolutely broken and shocked. And I thought someone's spoken to my parents. Someone's, someone's somehow got into my brain and know, knows exactly what I was doing. And there was a scene, I don't know if you remember, she was pushing around a grapefruit yes. around the table yes. whilst drinking coffee. And I was like, that, how, is someone, how does someone else know that? How does someone else know that? Because so many girls were doing it. It's like a trend. It was a trend. You know, one girl tells one girl, one girl watches another girl. Like, it, it was a trend. So it happened. It definitely happens. And how do you think, if at all, because I can say even, because I didn't get into music professionally until I was 19, 18 or 19, but even growing up, I saw girls, you know, 10, 11, 12 doing things like that. Why do you think it's so pervasive? Obviously, as a professional dancer, it's competitive and you're right in the thick of it. What do you think contributes to, I mean, I have my own theory, contributes to it being so pervasive in just regular normal culture among girls? I guess everybody wants to look that a certain way. They think that that is beautiful or they think that's how we're supposed to look. Right. From media and that stereotype. Yeah. That bleeds in. Yeah. Yeah. But actually, when I look back at photographs of myself when I was a professional ballerina, I looked like a skeleton. I looked like, I don't even know how I had the physical energy to do what I used to do. And, and obviously, develop, developmentally, I didn't develop how my siblings did and my, my parents. I mean, all my family at all. I'm only five foot eight, just. I should mm-hmm. be around five ten. And my feet should have been a size eight. My kids, my daughter is, is a size eight in her shoe I'm a size in Europe a size five or six just wow because my feet were crushed and they weren't developed so you're eight years old and you're in training and these are starting these patterns are starting to develop how did it continue to develop and what eventually made you realize hey this is a problem and this is something that I need to pay attention to um I honestly don't think I realized this until I was much much older really yeah one of my girlfriends, she would have been about 14. She died um, at school and she died from um, the cotton being wrapped around her intestines because cotton doesn't um, biodegrade. The cotton was wrapped around her intestines and killed her. Oh my gosh. Even that did not stop me. I continued to be on diets. I continued to exercise like crazy. Um, you know, once I was out of a ballet class or going off to a, you know, an academic class, I would then squeeze in, you know, a run around the field or just swimming. And and my life was totally consumed about calories and um, keeping my weight down. And it wasn't until I got older, actually, um, when there's people around, I I modeled for a bit in in the the, um, early 90s. It wasn't until those girls were like, what are you, why are you doing this to yourself? That I realized actually I had gotten terrible eating habits and obviously a disorder. But that was when I, I discovered that, that that's what had happened to me and that was what I was acting out. I, I left ballet at 16 because I broke my knee and I was dropped like a hot potato. Can you believe it? Yeah. Um, there were people waiting in the wings, which I'm sure you know. It was it's yeah. very similar to the the black swan story. I was literally dropped on my knee. I broke my knee and that was the end of my ballet career. And um, the ballet company didn't want to find me anymore. And the ballet, a ballet company back in Melbourne, the Melbourne City Ballet heard about my injury and they said, we don't take injured dancers. 
So my whole world was turned upside down. Everything that you had worked for since you could probably remember. Yeah, everything. My whole childhood had been given away and I was angry and I was like, why are these people doing this to me? You know, I'm a, I'm a prima ballerina. I remember being in hospital and they said to me, oh, you, you could be a teacher. You'd be a great teacher. And I said, I don't think you understand. I am not a teacher. I'm a performer. I'm mm. a prima ballerina. And mm-hmm. I just didn't get that point. And I fell into a depression for a good year. And then, thank God, I found the fashion industry. For me, it was a very natural progression. But I took all of those eating disorders and, and poor eating habits into my life, even as I say today. But it's, I'm, it's a much more controlled situation now, you know, because I have children myself. And it sounds like you're nourishing your body. It's not as if you're oh, yeah. doing habits that are really, truly, like you were saying, could lead to your no. untimely death. It just sounds like you would maybe want to get better around some habits with food, but it's not actually maybe a clinically diagnosable eating disorder anymore. Does yeah. that is that yeah, fair? No. So, yeah, absolutely. What made you make the switch, though? And what help, if any, did you get? Well, with the eating eating problems, I didn't really get any help. I did I did initially at school. I was put into what they called the um, oh gosh, I forget the name of what they call it, but it was like the school hospital. Girls would be in there sort of every day with through exhaustion and whatever. But there was never really any sort of doctors or teachers that could help you with these disorders. It wasn't until later on in life when I you know when I was in my early 20s and I said to my father I said I've got a problem with food um, and I think food is causing problems for everything else it's the core stem of everything because it comes from the gut if the gut's not well the rest of your body's not well I was still abusing my body because I was you know I was modeling and modeling to pay for you know makeup and and then I was like traveling the world as a makeup artist and and I was still very much obsessed with my appearance it wasn't really it wasn't really a a vanity thing it was more of this is all I know and I don't know how to break free from this it was like I had shackles around my ankles and around my my wrists and I didn't know how to break free from it and I remember saying to my dad I think I have a problem and I don't know how to solve this and then he actually made me watch the Karen Carpenter story and I thought that's what's going to happen to me that's my life that I'm going to end up dying vomiting and that just was very dark dark place to be in you know and that is literally what turned it around for you there was no sort of white light moment it was just a a progression into a healthier lifestyle is that fair to say yeah I would I would say so but then I got very sick as I think I told you I got sick 13 years ago that for me was my bright light moment my it was like okay now you really need to pull your socks up and, and stop messing around because now this is super serious and you're being told you've got four months to live mm-hmm. and, and I don't want to be, I don't want to be dead in four months. I want to, yeah. I want to live. So everything changed for me, my diet, my relationship with food, everything. So I would say probably at 30 was actually the moment that I went, I can't do this anymore. I have to nourish my body and love my body and feed my body full of 
things that make me feel alive versus things that make me feel like I want to kill myself. And that's the truth. It's so funny because I had a very similar experience where a doctor in Beverly Hills was like, if you don't change your eating right now, you're going to die. And she was like, you don't, I remember she asked me when I, you know, started my eating disorder and I told her and she said, I remember her so clearly. She's like, when did you move here? And it was about, I don't know, five years after my eating disorder had start started. And she said, well, at least we didn't start this one. (laughs) Meaning like women in LA Mm -hmm. are in and out of her office every day with significant eating disorders. The reality was media culture definitely played a huge role in my in my eating Absolutely. disorder, but a very, Absolutely. very similar experience where the doctor was like, if you don't get help, you're going to die. And that's just the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So Campbell, I know we only have you for a few more minutes and you're really busy. So thank you for sharing your time with us. Just a few more questions though. Yeah. Well, two questions. One, what is it about dance culture? Because we do see so many changes in media happening, even though it's not perfect. I was talking with our guest last week about artists like Lizzo or different actresses that are out there that represent Mm. different shapes and sizes now, more normalizing different body sizes. What is it about dance though that I feel like that specific industry has not followed the trend of diversity among body size. I would love to know the answer to that question because um, for me, it's the only area of the entertainment that still says that it's okay to look like that and it's okay to perform that way and to be exhausted and to, you know, grow hair on your body because you're, you're not eating well. I don't know how they manage to pull the wool over our eyes or, or sweep it under the carpet, but they've managed to do it for such a long time. And, and it's beautiful to look at. Don't get me wrong. I love still to go to the ballet. It's still very difficult for me to go to the ballet. I love watching it. I really don't. That's like the million dollar question because I really don't know how they've got away with it. But in saying that though, Lucia, I, I agree with the culture of being diverse and being open to everyone and all, say, all ages, all sexes, all races. But if it is uh, around enough eating disorder, which is obesity, I, I don't agree with that either. Because I am it's not so on healthy. Board. Yeah, it's I'm not healthy. I'm so I on board. I see women every single day, yep. you know, you know, love myself sick, whatever. You know what? You are loving yourself sick because what you're doing now is you've made it acceptable to be obese and it's not. That is causing type 2 diabetes. I went through that too. I mean, imagine that from going from anorexia bulimia to now being told that I've got an obesity issue. Mm-hmm. Because my uh, my BMI numbers were up. I was on my way to type 2 diabetes, which actually I did get 10 years ago. I, after being diagnosed with cancer, clearing myself of cancer, I thought, oh, yeah. I can do whatever I want now because yeah. I've survived cancer. So then I started eating sugar again, started eating lollies, started eating because I survived cancer. I think I'm such a, you know, a great person. And then I was basically got, eating myself into type 2 diabetes. And I had a diabetic pump put in my body. I was injecting myself. And then I was like, back here I am, back at square one, trapped in my body. And I don't know what to do. I wanted to scratch the skin off my bones. And it wasn't until I met with a nutritionist again and said, listen, I, need, I really, really need help because I've survived cancer. And now I'm basically putting two fingers up at my higher power or God or whoever you want to believe who's kept me here for whatever reason it is. And now I'm putting two fingers up and, and being quite cocky about it. I need help again. Totally. And that's when we started on, on my on my journey of, of no sugar. I mean, I've been vegan for 13 years, but 
it does it can creep back in it does slip back in and and that you're only human but to promote that as being healthy is i'm sorry it's not it's really really not you can be a certain size you can be six foot three and curvy but if you're not healthy that you i i can't promote that and i will never promote that i completely agree i think that the one body type that is yet to be represented is true normal women that are not yeah. obese and are not rail thin. Just the average woman. Yeah. That is not what is represented in the media. It's like we have to yeah. go to extremes for some reason. And it's like, no, healthy is maybe a little bit of, you know, extra padding on your thighs because you work out a normal amount and you eat normal. Like it's, it's not represented as much as it should be. I completely agree. Campbell, before we let you go, I just have one more question. Yes, of course. Do you have any advice for anyone out there, male, female, that's struggling right now? If you could tell them anything, what would you tell them? I would say, look at yourself in the mirror, stand there in your underwear until you start smiling at yourself. Because you know what? It doesn't matter what you look like. It's how you feel. You have to feel it right from the core of your heart, from the pit of your belly, this incredible sense of love and gratitude for your life, for what you've been given. I mean, who are we to say what we've been given isn't perfect? This is the problem with our society today. We're being told, and actually my industry does it too, and this is why I'm trying to change it, are telling people that you're not good enough, you don't look a certain way, or now that, you know, the alternative extreme of, you know, being obese is also okay. You just have to have that feeling of love right from within inside. And, and when you see that, you don't see the lumps and the bumps and the curves and the stretch marks and everything else. I mean, I still look at myself in the mirror and there are days where I go, oh my God, I look great. Yeah. The very next day, I'm like, oh my God, is that cellulite? Yeah. And that's when I have to pull myself back and go, wait, 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 hang on a minute. What happened to the girl that looked at herself yesterday in the mirror? We've got to love ourselves. We've really got to love ourselves. So we've got to love ourselves for the right reasons because we're nurturing ourselves. We're nurturing our family. We're, we're nurturing ourselves by giving ourselves the right food and the right drinks and, and, and however, or through exercise but not in an extreme way. And, and people know if they're being extreme. I know if I'm being extreme. If you want to go to the gym, go to the gym every day and do 20 minutes, 25 minutes. But don't go to the gym and do two hours one day and then don't do another workout for two weeks and then yeah. wonder why you're still like all over the place because consistency is the key as well. Yeah, I've learned as I've gotten older because things don't come off you as quickly as they did when you were in your 20s. Being sustainable in your way that you eat and drink and exercise and sleep is, is very, very important to your well-being. Sleep is, is very, very, very important to me now. I need, I need to get sleep. Sleep is huge. Because otherwise my internal, internal organs don't get the chance to produce the hormones that you need to burn off extra food and, you know, all of these things. But I feel like now I don't worry so much about things. And when I don't worry about them, things change. Absolutely. 
Campbell Richie, such valuable advice and such an incredible personal story. I feel like we could talk for hours and hours and hours about this. And I'm so happy to come back and talk and make it a regular thing or talk about beauty because I've incorporated all of what I do now with myself is all incorporated um, in the way that I do makeup, the way that I, you know, I choose to only use um, cruelty-free and vegan products in my practice. And I only choose to work with companies that are also working on those same sustainable levels or cruelty-free levels, you know, much to my financial suicide at one point, um, turning down big beauty contracts because I just sleep at night it, knowing that I'm using products that are potentially being tested on animals. Like, I just had to say no. Like, big, big beauty contracts. We can talk about this more down the track. I would absolutely love that. Everything is connected, everything. What you put inside your body shows on your face, you know? What you put in your body shows on your face. What you think shows on your face. Absolutely. How you think actually does affect all of that to a cellular level, so. People don't believe when I say I'm 43. I'm like, no, I'm 43, but inside I'm a 21-year-old girl still laughing and joking. And and I believe laughter is a huge, huge medicine that we should all really... um, Huge. No, Kimball, I would love for you to come back. I feel like there's so much more to talk about. And of course, of course. So we will have you come back for sure. And this conversation, even in 2019, is just as critical as it was when, you know, people first learned about eating disorders. So thank you so much for sharing your experience and your hope that there's something different out there with everyone. If they want to follow you on social media, where can they catch you, Kimball? Okay, well, it's just my name, Campbell Ritchie. Campbell spelled C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L. And then Ritchie is R-I-T-C-H-I-E. Campbell Ritchie, that's it. Just my name. And I always answer everybody. So if you reach out to me, as long as you're being nice and kind, I will respond. (laughs) You guys, she's amazing. Check out her page. Check out her work. You will be blown away. Um, And she's an even more incredible person. So thank you so much for sharing. Oh, thank you so much, darling. You're done. I really appreciate it. And um, you really are such a gift in my life. And and I want to be of service to you as much as I can, not just in, in this subject and other subjects, but in friendship. So it was great talking to you. I hope all your uh, subscribers find it helpful. I believe I survived cancer to be of service to others. I don't believe I'm here for myself anymore. So ask away. So, so beautiful. We'll have her back for sure. Campbell Richie, thanks so much for joining us. My absolute pleasure, darling. You take care and I'll see you soon. All right, you too. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye, love. Right, bye. bye. Today's lifestyle demands the best in wireless, and with Pulse Cellular, you have the best options available. Switch to Pulse Cellular for unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data, coast-to-coast with no contracts, no credit checks, and no overage fees. One line for $65 or four lines for just $45 each, including hotspot, Wi-Fi calling, and 50 gigs per line. And for all you travelers, we got you covered in Canada and Mexico, plus text and data in over 210 countries worldwide, all with the best phones or bring your own. That's pretty awesome. Get the best user experience on mobile at PulseCellular.com. Thanks for being part of the Seekerhood. We couldn't do this without you. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back to Well Seekers, and thanks so much again to my good friend and our guest today, Campbell Ritchie. I really am going to brainstorm how we can have Campbell back on the show on a regular basis. She has so much expertise and is just so in line with what we do here at Well Seekers. So we will keep you posted on that. Before we came back, you probably heard a commercial for Pulse Cellular. Pulse is one of the sponsors of our show. We actually are in the process of making our own Well Seekers commercial, so hopefully we'll have that for you soon. But if you guys visit PulseCellular.com, I just want to really quickly say two things about Pulse Cellular. One, besides having used Pulse Cellular and knowing how effective their service is, I cannot stand by it enough. I had a carrier, which is going to remain nameless right now, and you can ask anyone. I couldn't get reception anywhere. On my Pulse phone, I got reception and can get reception anywhere. So the exact opposite of my experience with my other carrier. But also, because Pulse is a friend of the show, if you sign up, you can actually get, is it a 10% discount? Let me just, I'm going to have someone check that out to make sure I'm right about that. Um, I believe it's a 10% discount. And all you have to do is when you go to PulseCellular.com is enter the keyword WellSeekers. So WellSeekers with an S and you will get 10% off your monthly bill for as long as you're a Pulse customer. So definitely check that out and I'm just going to verify it's 10%. So before we let you all go and go out and create your story of well. It wouldn't be well seekers without me giving you guys a wellness tool. So I haven't talked about it a lot, but our fall boxes are here. And if you guys want to know more about that, go to wellseekers.com and then you click on the shop button and it says private club. Click on the well seekers private club. When you do, you'll see something that says the boxes fall into kindness. This box is really special and if you guys know, I personally assemble these boxes and ask people their input. Um, but really, I have an idea every season and that's where these boxes come from. Falling into kindness is really about creating a kinder relationship with yourself and with the people around you as well. And this box is specially made for you to do that. It's filled with stress relieving items, this aromatherapy lotion, a band that I've used in my own rehab for a knee injury, but really is great at strengthening and toning muscles. It's got this really cool coaster and a bunch of other stuff. And I have to tell you guys, the reason that I created the Well Seekers box was specifically when I was struggling to overcome certain poor coping skills and food definitely fell into one of the poor coping skills. And these boxes were part of my tangible solutions. I mean, information is great. Obviously, I love telling stories. That is where my heart is at. And giving solutions, that is also where my heart is at. But solutions are tangible too. And having things that I could look at, whether it be a coaster that reminded me or a lotion that I put on that actually you know, plays on your neurons and sends your mind uh, messages that make your mind happier or bands that strengthen your body or this clay that releases stress and anxiety. And if you join the club, you actually get a private link that has more information about all of these tools and how you use them and how you can incorporate them into your day. So make sure to hop over, check out the box. At the very least, just read about it and what this month and this season is all about. It's, it's a good read. So wellseekers.com can just browse around. Thank you so much again to Campbell Ritchie for being on our show. I hope you guys are having an incredible week. And as always, I know you have 
so many places that you can put your time and your energy and your trust. And from everyone here at Wall Seekers, especially me, I just want to say thank you so much for your time and thank you for being part of our tribe. We'll talk to you next week on Wall Seekers. How would you like to join the conversation? Email us anytime at hello at wellseekers.com.